Hello and welcome to Between the Mountains podcast with me, Chris, where we talk about your adventures from backpacking to expeditions. And today we have Caroline Ware on as a special guest doing an interview with us. We're going to chat about her climbing experience, um, her time leading expeditions. But I think the underlying term that came from the conversation was this this topic of adaptability that comes up as, as, a, as quite a useful tool of getting through life and just all challenges small and big so i hope you enjoyed the interview i certainly did and if you'd like to subscribe follow share it with a friend you're more than welcome to but let's just get straight into the interview so hello caroline welcome to the podcast how are you doing today i'm doing great thanks for having me perfect so um just for those who don't know, competing in the Ice Climbing World Cup and also a member of the International Federation of Mountain Guides Association, which is quite a mouthful, uh, Caroline has climbed some of the toughest routes across the world, from Norway to Iceland to the Canadian Rockies, to Alberta, to the Alps and to Antarctica and so much more across the world. In, I'll link her website in the show notes below and you can see the long list of highlights for yourself. Um, and so not even everything that she's done down there and it is quite insane. Um, and before we started recording as well, you even added on that. Um, I mentioned I was climbing Triglav and you said that you did it in January on the North Face and <laughs> spoke about how tricky that was. So you're quite accomplished. Coming from a small ski village in the Swiss Alps and now an established climber, guide and athlete, Caroline's experience comes in vast amounts from ski mountaineering to rock and ice climbing. So Caroline, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And uh, I'm looking thank forward to so finding much. out more. Perfect. So first question. I'm sorry to hear that COVID cancelled your skiing trip to, to Lurferton. Um, I was wondering, with someone like you, when you take a skiing trip, how much of that do you take as training and how much of that do you take as a holiday for yourself? Uh, so actually that trip to Lurferton was a work trip. Mm. I was going there with clients and I've been there a few times before, both for ski touring and for rock climbing. Um, and I've also been there for rock climbing just for myself. And then it's um, a holiday and it's to do climbs that I want to do for myself. And then I've gone back to do that movie, Showtime, uh, for a sponsor. And we were so lucky. The weather was like bluebird for like two weeks. Mm. Um, so that was a really unique experience. And um, yeah, we we're so lucky we got to climb every peak we wanted to do, every route we wanted to do. Um, so that was like one of the highlights of my, yeah, of the, those like films that we make with um, Eddie Bauer or like uh, work trips that I've done. So mostly, um, yeah, I'm a mom. And so mostly I travel for work now. Mm. And sometimes okay. I do a little trip for myself. Like uh, we went to Slovenia in January with my husband for like five days round trip. Uh, to climb as much as we could. It was really nice weather, so we got to do that. But they're like pretty quick hits. And then I also, right before COVID, actually the week COVID was declared, I had put aside a week to go ice climbing for myself. So I flew to Canada and did two routes I'd always wanted to do, hit them in good condition, um, and then flew back. I was, it's like a four-day round trip just to go um fuel my soul with my passion for ice climbing <laughs> so yeah. they're always like really quick hits and they're always very fulfilling for me and I'm always so grateful for them so uh yeah but otherwise for longer trips I I it's for work it's either to do a movie for a sponsor or or a photo shoot or I'm guiding clients um 
And Lofoten is one of my most cherished destinations. It's as beautiful for rock climbing as it is for ski touring. Wow, that's insane. And yeah, it's, it, I, like, I like your approach to still going out there. Not only is it your job, so you kind of have to, to, to earn, but also I like that having a kid hasn't stopped you because I've got a kid as well. And I'm always trying to find the balance between being there as a parent, but also not just telling them how to live, but showing them how to live. So, so I'm, I'm the same. The trips I've taken recently have been sort of three to five days away and then back again. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, I feel like uh, because you don't have the opportunity to pick up and go as much, when you're able to have that little time for yourself, it's so fulfilling. So it's less about quantity and more about quality yeah. uh, for me. And um, and it, like you said, it is a balance of like, um, it's the work, family and self-balance. And yeah. I find that each of these aspects are really fulfilling if um if there's a balance that's fine you know like uh, like it's proportionate so yeah, um, yeah. no I, I fully agree with you on that yeah yeah because uh, yeah it's not just I suppose like you said there the self-balance uh, that's another aspect I didn't think about which is it's not just showing them how to live but also you need to keep your soul topped up otherwise you're not going to be as good as a parent as you as you could be to your to your kid so and and you know for some people that's lucky enough that they can just sit in a room and read a book for five for, for an hour or so and then that's that's them. But for, for I guess for people like you and me, we, we like to and the listeners, traveling is is what fills our soul. So it takes a little bit more time consuming. But yeah, yeah, yeah de- definitely. And um, but for sure, like we include her in a lot of adventures, and mm. we try to make it no not so. Um, we don't. We try to not to impose it on her, but like you know, offer her the opportunity. And so this year we created some kids climbing camps that she attends. And so she's with friends as well. And so she's motivated to, um, to, um, to, to climb also, you know, she sees like that climbing is not just a sport that her parents do, but it's also now something that her friends do. And I think so much of life is the feeling of belonging to a community or, um yeah the feeling of belonging and if you see that your friends are doing something then you feel like you have something to share with them so she's starting to realize that through sports and activities she gets to be a part of a community of people who are doing something they're like-minded and she this sense of i think of belonging is what creates passion and uh and so we're kind of there with her. She's eight years old. And wow. it's really cool to share these adventures with her, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, whilst we're here, it, it, I was going to ask about it a bit later, but whilst we're here, we might as well crack on. So your, your daughter's eight years old. And I was going to ask, what level of exposure have you, uh, have you introduced her to, to skiing and to climbing? And that, I guess we could pair that with the question of the, the summer camp too, which is what encouraged you to, to do that? Um, yes, yeah, so she, so we do multi-pitch rock climbing with her, um, single pitch, uh, now she just learned how to belay, she's really excited, she was like, when I'm nine years old, I'm going to belay my mom, um, and skiing and all these things, but I see her in me a lot in the sense that I was really resisting my parents taking me to the mountains, uh, so she's resisted um, a bit. So we, for skiing, she's like taking classes. And so she, 
I think it's great because that way she has a sense of ownership her, of her level, not just through us. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important, like in my life, when I struggle with life or I have like a trauma or whatever, um, what has gotten me through is having a passion and having something to go to to feel good or to uh, immerse myself in. Or um, Yeah, like I was saying, my mom just passed away, which was really hard for us, for me, because I was really close to her, but also she was really helpful with our work. And so... Mm. You know, it's adaptation, but like this whole week I was guiding in the mountains and I was like really focused. And with focus comes healing of anything that you're going through. And I think having a passion is a tool for living life well or being um, happy in your life. It's also, it's also a source of frustration if you really like doing something and you can't do it all the time as much as you want, then you might find frustration. Also, passion has, you know, there's a, there's always two sides. Double-edged knife, that. isn't but, it? Um, but I hope, I think the greatest gift you can give a child is for them to have a, a passion, something that makes them feel alive, that they can go back to when times are hard or, or just, uh, you know, like enjoy life, you know, experience life, because I think, Life is uh, just experiences, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's not things. I try to tell her, like, I, you know, it's easier to buy something than give her an experience um, to fulfill her. But um, I think life is just experiences. What you remember yeah. from, from people or is just experiences make you feel alive. So. Yeah, you're spot on. Uh, and if you think back to, uh, I would like to think most people could agree with this. If they think about the childhood, you're more likely to remember the experiences you had. And they're going to have a bigger impact than, than remembering the toys you got. I mean, I, I remember one time, you know, my dad bought me a toy and that was quite nice because I'd wanted that toy for a while. But then I remember way more going to Jungle Jungle and jumping around with my friends and, and the cycling mm -hmm. routes I did with my mom as a kid. So, so yeah, yeah, experience yeah for is sure. super And key. I think what, um, what people really like about a toy is the idea of getting it. It's like <laughs> Christmas, you know, you're like so yeah. excited to get stuff, but once you have it, the thrill is gone. Uh, whereas with experiences, you can, you have like a, you feel them and they mm, last forever. It builds you. Yeah, for sure. And in regards to my mom who passed away, I am, um, this past year I was telling people, you know, this is the time to do stuff with your parents because you just never know what can happen. Mm. And so I actually, it was really somehow maybe, you know, Maybe the universe was telling me she was going to leave, but I was definitely um, like, well, this year I have to do a lot with her. You know, like now is the time to build these experiences that you can remember people by when they're gone. And so luckily we got to do so much together this past year and also together with my daughter. Um, and so she will always have these memories, you know, and that's like uh, something that nobody can take away from you. Like things yeah. can be taken away from but experiences what you have in your memories nobody can take that away and so yeah it's a way for people to always be alive in your heart kind of thing yeah and that that idea of experiences and and building was that what encouraged you to set up the summer camp for the kids uh yeah i mean also um, 2020 <laughs> it's a period of adaptation with covid <laughs> We've had to cancel together. My husband is also a guide, so um, 
between the two of us, we've canceled about 12 weeks of work. And so um, we've had to adapt and think like, well, we don't have somebody to watch Olivia and we need to create a new line of work also. And so we decided to to create that because last year she did some climbing camps and we thought, oh, maybe we could do that. It would be really fun because, you know, um, guiding takes you away from home quite a bit. And so it's a way to be able to be together and work at the same time during the summertime. And uh, and it was a really amazing experience because normally we do like bigger climbs in the mountains. And so it's a totally different approach to the mountains. But being able to share that and to communicate that to other kids and maybe create a passion in them was was really unique. Like it was, uh, we had a really great time. It was a great way for our family to be together and not be apart all the time. And that's yeah, we're really excited. We're doing another one next week, uh, not this week, the following, and then we're doing some day camps as well. So it's all new. We're adapting, but um, we're already looking forward to doing it also on skis in the winter time, and you know, so it's 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 really great. It's really great. We're really happy. Perfect. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, and I was thinking as well. This is one I was going to ask you a bit later, but we're on the topic. Has becoming a parent, has that changed your views of the mountains at all and your drives to the mountains or, or has it just grown them? Or? Um, no, it, it really hasn't actually. Um, I feel like before I had a child, I was getting overwhelmed that my work and my time off was always in the mountains. And I feel like it needed a bit of a perspective, like a different angle in my life. Um, and so then we had Olivia, which has been amazing. Um, and I've also realized that to feel good, I also need to have like my own adventures and like feed my soul. And I think as a family, it's really, it's important that each member of the family, um, is a happy individual to be a good person for the family. Um, so no, I'm. I, yeah, I've always traveled with my parents as well for climbing um, as a child. So this is what I know, and this this is what I do, and what I love to do. <clears throat> and so I keep doing that, and I think uh, I hope that she will feel my my daughter will feel inspired to have a life. You know that she can have a life and be a mom and uh, find fulfillment in what she does outside of family to be a better. Um, for the family yeah yeah perfect that's all you can hope for really isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah Not... for sure. For sure. Yeah. so so going back to we mentioned it a little bit before that the Sherton um video um, with eddie bauer um that's how i discovered you and i thought it was just like it was really well put together the video there were so many different routes and i was wondering which one was your favorite route um so um... I have to put my pull my head off to um, the person who put the film together. His name mm. his name is uh, Shane Lampy, and he's a cameraman and he shoots video and all sorts of terrain. And he was actually one of the um, vi- cameraman for the movie Free Solo with Alex Honnold. I don't know. If oh you saw wow! That. Really? Yeah. So it's good. But then experience. he put the whole movie together. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so we did that trip to Norway right after he actually filmed that. So it was really interesting to get some insight into that. Um, 
And so probably my favorite route was um, the Storpilaren on Vagakallen, which is, um, a, they call it the Bonatti Pillar of Norway. Bonatti Pillar is also written on the Drew. And Chamonix, which is a really famous pillar that now uh, has collapsed. And um, so that was like a really amazing experience. I'd been the year before with a friend and we didn't get the right conditions to do it because the weather is really fickle on any island that's on an ocean. Uh, it's not an island, it's a peninsula. Um, and so we were able to have like perfect weather. And what's really amazing about uh, Norway in the summer is that it's daylight the whole time. So you're not, you know, you don't have to um, adapt to the timing, just to the weather. And so we just left and just climb all day. And <clears throat> we go back to the house at, I don't know, like at two o'clock in the morning and it was still daylight, you know. <laughs> so that, that was, that was, um, that was like a really an amazing climb. And uh, with these movies, there's, so there was a photographer, a camera guy, uh, Katie Lambert I was climbing with, mm -hmm. and the photographer was Ben Ditto. And for the cameraman and for the photographer, my husband was the guide. So he was putting the rope up for them and then they would zoom her up. And so it was really nice to be with friends and with, also with my husband in this climb the whole week. Um, and the climbing is really adventurous there. It's uh, it's like a real, it, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a real adventure being on that summit. And even the descent is really uh, no joke, like you don't want to fall. So it was like a really amazing adventure. And then we also did another climb further uh, further west that you take a boat to and then you hike and then we put a camp and we wanted to get really nice footage. So we climbed through the night. Yeah, yeah. so we summited at, I don't know, like two o'clock in the morning as well. And the sun was dipping on the horizon, but it was also starting to come up. <laughs> so by the time we got back to camp, it was already daylight. and. So these are like pretty unique experiences. Um, yeah. And then our daughter and my parents came as well. So, you know, we were there together also to share that time together. So it was it was um, just one of those trips that ticked all the boxes of perfection. <laughs> so it was it's, really cool. It sounds it. It really, really does. Did you yeah, find yourself yeah. losing track of time uh, just because the sun never goes down? Uh, for instance, I had a friend who did a road trip in Iceland. And, mm -hmm. and and she found it hard to sleep because she'd drive, 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 and she wouldn't realize it's three in the morning. And so she'd stop. And then 50 minutes later, she'd be like, well, the sun's still up and there's a waterfall two hours away. And so she'd carry on driving to the next bit. Did you find it was the same thing with the sun never going down? Did you just want to keep uh, going? Um, for us, it was a bit different because we were filming. And so we were more adapting to the quality of images that we wanted to have. Of course. Um, so we were just, you know, sleeping whenever we needed to sleep, or, but the body still needs to sleep. Like it just still has an idea of what the time is. Um, but for sure, and that, so that's a little different, but on previous trips to Norway, even when I go up there to guide in the, in the springtime, it's light from four o'clock in the morning until um, 11 o'clock at night. And so you really have to have like really good shutters or an eye mask to be able to sleep properly. Um, so yeah, you just adapt, your body still needs to sleep. So it, the only issue is really having like a really dark room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. 
So you you mentioned how it was kind of like a, a perfect trip with with all the people there, and you said in the video itself that that climbing partners can really make or break a climb. And I was mm. so I was thinking more broadly, thinking about personal development. Which climbers have had the biggest impact and influences on you? I would say I think I see like I see people do stuff, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Um, but now it's it's a little different now with like Instagram and Facebook because yeah. you see things on the daily and so you can be inspired on the daily by something that somebody did. Um, but not, and I haven't been like, yeah. I mean, I really like Emily Harrington. I, uh, she she's great. She's like multi active. She does like all sports, and mm -hmm. I really like that about her. Like she she climbs like eight thousand meter peaks and skis a lot and climbs really hard and uh, she's always pushing her limits um she yeah she's you know like i just find her to be a beautiful person mm. so i am inspired by her constant thirst for adventure in the mountains and i feel like i, I identify with that um and yeah there's a there, there's definitely like you know hillary nelson o'neill she's um when I was Hillary Nelson, she <clears throat> climbs like she, she's skied like some really steep um, faces, like Lotse a couple years ago, and and she's a mom, and um, and I've known her for a really long time. Like I don't really, you know, we haven't interacted that much, but um, I just really like people who have longevity in their passion. You know, it's to me, it speaks a lot about who they are, and like I identify with that, I guess. <clears throat> yeah so it sounds, yeah it sounds like it's a mixture of a couple of people but also just it sounds like everyone who's ever you've been around or seen on instagram is little things from each from each area that have built together it seems like it's a nice mixture of the two yeah for sure i think the person who's inspired me the most is actually my mom because she she started climbing with my dad and then but then she kind of broke away from uh, from him making all the decisions and she started doing ski mountaineering competitions and he wasn't into that and, but she stood her ground and um, she was always so passionate like she was always so passionate to be outside in the mountains and to have adventure I could see how it fueled her soul um, and so yeah her drive has always inspired me like she was always motivated to go outside the box and push limits and uh, I think <clears throat> for women back then, it was like a really big move. Yeah. So yeah, I think I've always been inspired by her. And I feel like my my adventures fueled her soul of adventure when she was not as active as she used to be. Um, so yeah, I think she was like really proud and really uh, was able to inspire her in turn. So that connection, I think, was like... Um, it's something that inspired me to to always be adventurous. Now she's gone, so it, it has like uh, made me wonder, like, so was I doing that just for herself, for myself? And so it's it's really interesting how we evolved as human beings and how our influences shift and how we adapt. Perfect. And um, so thinking to your trip to Kazakhstan, you were the uh, you were the leader of uh, was it an all female team? Um, mm, so. It was Kyrgyzstan. Oh, right. Kyrgyzstan. Okay. Okay. But yeah, that that'll be <laughs> that'll be my error on the spelling there. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
but how, how did that go for you how, how did it come about how did the trip go so the swiss alpine club created a expedition team and um when we first started it was mixed so it was men and women and so there was very there's always maybe a token woman on the team and never more so they like three years ago they decided to do um to create a women uh, an all women's team so that was like the first time there was an all women's team and it started with another uh woman guide and um then she decided to not pursue that so then the um, swiss alpine club asked me if i was interested uh to do that and at the time i was just thinking i wanted to go on an expedition so the timing could not have been any more perfect uh-huh. um lots of synchronicity in my life i think <laughs> and um so i was like okay i'll try it and so um, i did a few days with the girls to get to know them so there's six women on the team and they trained for three years. Um, so they go climbing in the mountains together. They have like training with guides to improve. And then they decide on an expedition goal. And then they put the whole expedition together. So they do all the logistics and everything. And so for, the, for that part, you're just a coach. Um, and then I went on the expedition with them and I didn't have that much experience with them by then, but, um, we had a good feeling together. So it worked out and, um, but for sure it was like, I didn't really tell people I was going in this expedition because it was also, yeah, it's really high responsibility. You're in a totally foreign country, totally foreign language with no no real availability for any rescue if something happens we hiked mm. three days to base camp we didn't during that time we didn't cross paths with even a house and maybe saw like two locals um so it's very remote and uh so if anything goes wrong it's uh, consequences are really high and so for me i just really needed to be in tune with how I felt with the risk taking and the um, group management and really be one step at a time. Uh, and since we didn't, since I wasn't part of the um, group for the three years, there was, you know, it was more of a crash course getting when we were there. And, you know, as, soon as you get there, you see the mountains and everybody was like really excited to do all these peaks. And then you have to be the reality check maker. And that's not easy to like lower expectations but I think lowering expectations creates um, a good experience because if you start with like really high expectations, then you're always disappointed that you didn't do what you wanted to do. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I think it's about finding satisfaction, whatever you get to do. And so I was telling the girls that, um, you know, <clears throat> just being in the country, them creating this expedition and just making it happen and all of us being there, because there was also a camera crew uh, the Swiss TV filmed the whole expedition, so we had a whole, uh, so they made like um, kind of a TV show about it, uh, seven episodes, and um, so it was, um, yeah, you know, it was just a matter of, for me, it was really important that I was true to myself and was not letting myself be influenced in the decision-making process and like be really clear about my expectations and my comfort level with um the responsibilities I had 
in the expedition and so it worked it was a really amazing experience we had a really the whole human side of it was really really enriching and uh and we had really nice weather so we got to climb as much as much as we possibly could on on the trip so we did four summits um at for around five thousand meters and higher so it was a really unique experience and there's no information for routes and stuff there like a, so yeah it's it's a real adventure like you really have to figure out everything on, on the go and some of the peaks we don't know if they've been climbed before or not and uh, because it's any information would be in russian and we didn't really could not understand so it was yeah it was a really intense experience being we were there for like a whole month and it was um it, yeah it was really magical also the main language on the expedition was german and um, it's one thing to be on an expedition in your own language and something you're really fluent in. And everybody has a different dialect, it's Swiss German. And so that was like an other factor that was, you know, you, you were trying to make decisions, climbing every day, um, and also in a language that's not as, uh, that you're not as fluent in. So the whole experience was quite intense, but <laughs> really yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, so, because you speak four languages, uh, which which one is your would you class as your mother tongue? Uh, French is French. Yeah, I grew up speaking French. I went to school in French, um, but at home we speak English. My husband is American. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then obviously being yeah. in Switzerland, you, you have you have German and Italian under your belt as well. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. And I just did like a whole week in uh, teaching a course in German in the mountains, and oh. without it was interesting to see that without that stressful environments of being in the middle of nowhere for a whole month and being really committed to a group <clears throat> it, it, it was like like no no problem <laughs> yeah <laughs> so absolutely. it's very different if you're in a stressful situation or not in your brain mm -hmm. um i can't remember who wrote wrote the rule for, for team development um I, you may have heard of it you probably heard of it at the forming norming storm no, forming storming norming and performing uh, aspects mm -hmm. Uh, I, I was thinking back to, to you leading the team. Was, was there any abrasion anywhere? Was there any people within the team who wanted to, to do something else and, you, and you'd have to manage them? Or generally speaking, did everyone on that expedition want to move the same way as you did? Um, hold on, I have to write. I like acronyms. <laughs> what was <what laughs> the acronym? Oh, it's, uh, it, it's, um, it's, they're, they're just the phrases. So he has forming, storming, norming and performing forming storming forming storming performing no norming and performing so the idea is that you form as a group and the storming phase is where you're kind of arguing amongst each other and then you norming the, the norming stages you're all starting to get along and then performing is when you're really gelling as a team and you're, you're achieving the goals that you're setting out to do mm -hmm. oh, that's and, um, really that's actually really interesting. Yeah, for sure. We had exactly that. That because yeah. uh, you get you get there and you see the mountains and everybody's like, oh my god, I want to do this, 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 and you, realistically you can't. And then some people wanted to do more rock climbing, other more alpine climbing, and so I had to to um, bring self awareness in them that why they had chosen to go to Kyrgyzstan. Because if you just want to rock climb, then you go to a rock climbing destination. Mm. And so they they had to come to terms with the fact that 
they chose to be there for the cultural experience and to be in the Alpine and to be in an environment where they had different options, which they did. Um, and then they also, with the altitude, they also had to acclimate. And for me, it was really important that the six girls got to do one summit all together. Mm. Um, they had different expectations. And <clears throat> after three years of training and climbing together, it was, for me, it was important that they would get to have a highlight of all standing on a summit together, which we got to do on the acclimating peak. And then they very quickly realized that carrying heavy backpacks and being at altitude was a whole different ballgame. And so mm. there was immense satisfaction all being together on a summit. Um, and then from there on, it was the goal of the expedition or like the, the whole expedition team was reached. You know, it's, it was like coming full circle from starting the team to finishing on a summit altogether on an expedition. And from there on, it was all uh, bonus. And we actually got to do a second summit altogether um, at 5,500 meters called Minteke. And that was like a four day summit carrying like with different camps and carrying everything. And so we were really lucky we got to have that on top of it. And I think the realization of um, achieving something together or like, you know, yeah, it, it, it was really good. Like, but it, it took a little bit of, uh, I was, we were doing uh, debriefs and um, also I was prompting them with questions as to why they were there and what their expectations were and um, what could be better and like, um, yeah, so they got to choose the goals and we discussed everything together. Um, and then in the end, those that really wanted to rock climb, we wanted to open a new route, rock climbing. And those that were more into the alpine wanted an alpine route. So it was, it was really nice to have that, um, that everybody got to achieve a goal of theirs on the expedition. Um, and for sure, like when you're working with the team, it's not the same as if you're going on your own expedition. And uh, especially with responsibly being mine. So it, it was exactly that. Like we had to form and storm and yeah. norm and then perform. And uh, it, it was it was a really enriching experience. Yeah. And for sure there was tension. And so we had to be able to lay down because, you know, you just have to. You don't have a choice. So I think in yeah. the end, everybody's really happy. I really like that aspect of asking questions as well. That that way of controlling the situation, not not through telling them, but mm -hmm. asking them a question. And then, it, I I guess what I like about it is it, it's the same. It, it's a bit like what I do with my daughter, right? I, I don't I don't I don't tell her to brush her teeth in the morning if we're in a rush. I say, do you want to brush your teeth upstairs or downstairs? And so mm -hmm. it makes her feel like she's got a bit of a, a bit of control. But yeah, I don't yeah, mind because yeah. either way right. we're getting the we're getting the the um the goal achieved of brushing mm -hmm. teeth. Yeah, I like yeah, that yeah exactly. No, for sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's uh, for them to take ownership of the situation, and for yeah. sure within a frame. So the frame being, you know, you're gonna brush your teeth no matter what, but you get to choose if it's left or yeah. right or up here yeah. or down. And it's a really simple yeah. analogy. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 but it's very good. <laughs> it's very good. I think it's an analogy that speaks to everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, precisely. Sure. Yeah, so, and so so they they had full ownership of every dis decision they made, and uh, but I was there alongside with them to create the frame. Mm. Yeah, so we we've explored 
in this podcast over the world quite a bit. And um, with, with each rock type and, and mountain range, climbing can differ. So let's explore a bit further. So f- for you, how does climbing in Ethiopia compare to the harsh, cold Arctic in, in Norway? Or Antarctica? Um, yeah, uh, the harsh cold would be more in Antarctica because Norway was actually quite warm. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah, I mean, the sun. So, what I've come to terms with in life is that adaptation is, sur- is survival. So, no matter where you are or what you're doing, you have to adapt to be able to survive or even to have a good experience. And, um, Ethiopia, like I don't enjoy heat so much, but it was, yeah, it was an, an amazing experience. You're out in the middle of nowhere, you don't speak the language, uh, it's quite dusty and filthy, and uh, <laughs> and we were very sick also from the food. Oh, oh I was really it. sick. We were, I was really sick in, Kyrg- in Kyrgyzstan as well. Uh, we were all were, and so at a, at, your body has to adapt to the food, and, and uh, so it's always adapting, like it's always creating a goal and adapting to the, the the context to achieve the goal and um and also the dynamic the group dynamic is also a huge factor um but no matter what once you leave home you're outside of your comfort zone if you go to a different country and you have to adapt to everything that's there um and so whether it's in antarctica and it's super cold and you have to have the right gear and um, accept that you're going to be uncomfortable in, in any situation. <laughs> so I think no matter where you go, if you're in a different setting, you just have to adapt to the group dynamics. So the people is a big factor to the environment um, and use all the tools that you've acquired throughout your life, whether it's as a climber, if you're going climbing or as a traveler, if you're going traveling and make it work for that situation. And the more experience you have in being adaptable to a situation, the better the experience you're going to have. And one thing to think about is that other people have done it before, and therefore you can do it too if you're able to adapt. So I think adaptability is, is, uh, is the key to being successful in any situation. Yeah, and that's kind of run as a theme throughout this conversation so far. I, I, really, I really like that. Uh, not only that practical approach when it comes to the topic of climbing, but that positive approach when it comes to the topic of life. I think adaptability is is very very key because uh, if you mm-hmm. if you stay stuck and you go, no, I really just want to do it this way, then um, mm-hmm. it's not going to go very well for you. So well, I, and and you're also depriving yourself of the whole experience. For yeah. Sure, I think. Yeah. You know, and uh, and so yeah, I mean, I I, I still go back to. To my mom's passing because that's my latest uh, big uh, experience oh, <laughs> or most pleasure. impactful yeah. experience but when she passed away this expression came to my mind that I've never seen or read about before it was unconditional acceptance and I think unconditional acceptance is the ultimate adaptability to a situation that you may or may not want and um, so making the best of a situation and just learning from it and yeah, if you can accept things unconditionally, you are re- reducing your suffering of an experience. And I think we go on all these adventures and we do all these things to 
um, to have an adventure, to have an experience, and to like uh, be pushed outside of our comfort zone. And and I think yeah, if you can be accept a situation unconditionally and yeah. not always you want something to be different, then you can enjoy and you can grow from from that experience and build to have an even better experience the next time. So yeah, yeah I think yeah, you're, you're spot adaptable. On there. There's a yeah, there's yeah. a podcaster called called Rob Dial. Uh, so for anyone listening, if you like that sort of positive sort of uh, self-development chat, he, he does a lot of that on his Mindset Motivation um, podcast. And he mm-hmm. had a quote on there. It's quite wordy, but it's the same sort of, it's a bit more of like an explanation of unconditional acceptance, which I really like that phrase. I think I might just start using that from now on. But what he said on yeah. there was, was you, your amount of suffering is in direct proportion to the amounts you are resisting the way the world is. So, oh yeah, that's exactly what it. Yeah, which is like a, what's which, if I was doing a uni uh, paper, what, what, I'd use that one to lengthen out my my word count or something. But, um, okay, what's what's the name of um of that podcast? Uh, he's called Rob Dial. If you um, uh, he's I think he's called the he's calls himself this podcast the Mindset Mentor now, but he's Rob Dial R O B space D I A L, and um. Not every episode, I think, is for each individual. He covers a couple of different topics. But there's, um, mm-hmm. I duck and dive out of it whenever I feel like I need a bit of that uplifting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I take what mm-hmm. I need and I go a few months without it. And then, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd recommend it. Can, can you, like, uh, can, can you write me down that sentence that later? That yeah, of course I can. Yes. Yeah, that'd be no problem yeah. at all. No problem at all. Yeah. Um, and thinking yeah. about uh, adaptability, or uh, you, you must have a favorite, even if it's hard to pick. So I'm thinking broadening it, broadening it beyond the harsh cold and beyond Ethiopia. Do you have a favorite region across the world that you'd love to go climbing in? Is is it is it Norway that you always like to go to, or is it more closer to home? I really, really liked Norway. I have to say, and uh, for me, like the contrast between the the sea and the mountains, they're all challenging elements and the combination of them like um, uh, yeah it, it really fills my soul when you go in the mountains here the higher you go the more you can see the other mountains whereas in Norway the higher you go the more you can see the definition of the sea mm-hmm. and so I find that really fascinating to me um, I'm not really a sea person or anything but yeah the contrast the beauty of it like it's it's a beauty that's unique and really Feels my soul. I really like um, ice baths also, like, you know, like the Wim Hof uh, challenges of being in ice cold baths. I, I like to go in ice cold lakes. Yeah. So Norway has that water element. I'm Pisces, so I don't know if that has an influence at all, but I really like the contrast of, uh, of, of both these places. For me, it's, uh, it's not just a mineral cold element. It, it has like the life of the ocean as well. I don't know that the contrast of both of them. I, I really like another place. I really, really love where, uh, in that space, I feel like love it's, um, the Dolomites in Italy. Oh. Uh, I find the food so, so good. The mounds are really beautiful. The contrast, like in the winter, it's also a place I go skiing and climbing the contrast of the rock and the snow it's like these beautiful orange this beautiful orange rock in contrast to the snow i just find that really um 
Yeah, it's it's uh, it is it's stunning. Really it's on my list so to go to. Both these places for me. Yeah, both these yeah. places, and I also really love Canada. Uh, also, for there's a lot of rock climbing also on the ocean there, and the ice climbing is where. Yeah, I've, I've had my best <clears throat> ice climbing experiences. So yeah, I think those three those three uh, places, and I I kind of like places where the food is good and healthy also and so i would say like for example like in ethiopia for me the food was challenging in kyrgyzstan the food is pretty it was pretty rough as well and i just spent a week in huts where some of the food was really good but your stomach is always kind of upset because the water's not that great and um so yeah i'm like oh i kind of like help in like places that you know are maybe a bit more modernized and third world i guess yeah perfect um so jumping forward away from favorite destinations you faced uh, quite a lot of ad- adversity in the sport uh and I-, I watched a video of you being interviewed uh i think in 2014 and you said specifically at the start someone told you why are you guiding ice climbing there's no future for female ice climbing guides which is quite uh, oh, really yeah which which you're shocked to hear in 2014 anyway but uh <laughs> um um but but I was wondering, how do you handle when other people try to place their limitations on you? Okay, so I think that was actually maybe not a context of just ice climbing. I think it was just uh, during my guiding training. Yeah. Uh, when the instructor said that uh, there was no future for women in guiding and that women belong in the, um, it, at home. Well, I think you've proved them wrong. Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. I think it, it's definitely made me more of a feminist. These things. Uh, I, I don't like the word feminist because it had such a, it has such a negative connotation. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also very much against masculinity in the sense that it's putting men in a box, that's forcing them to be strong and not have emotions. And I think there's a lot of suffering in that. And yeah. I think a lot of. Um, men's there's a lot more suicide in men than in the women worlds because they're put it being put in this box of masculinity yeah. so i think all these boxes whether it's masculinity or fem or feminism are boxes that are not so great but for my daughter i just want um, her to not be impacted by one or the other really that she can be whoever she wants no matter what and so yeah i just find yeah these boxes just very destructive and I think instructors who could say that to somebody should be (laughs) should be fired on the spot yeah um because it's the opposite of what you're meant to be doing you're you're an instructor you're meant to be uplifting someone and telling them they they can do anything they put their mind to (laughs) yeah yeah sure (laughs) and so especially that that instructor has three daughters so I feel for them oh and uh yeah, it's pretty amazing. So, um, but yeah, getting think, past it, how, it, it, did you have a certain approach? So, when when people say those sort of things to you, did, did you have a certain approach of just getting getting past it and cracking on anyway, or or is it just as simply you ignore it? I, yeah, I don't, I don't really ignore it. I kind of lean to people <laughs> for that for sure. <laughs> I, I, yeah, very much pointed out to people like, so you're thinking this way, but. I try to not impose it, but but like also prompt questions and be like, why are you thinking that way? Who are you to think that way? And uh, mm. 
And I think, you know, the, like the last couple of years has been the Me Too movement. Now it's the yeah. Black Lives Matter. At the end, all these movements are the same problem as being put in a box because of a color or sex or uh, a gender or mm. um and so i think it prevents evolution and in the end it's just validating a system and so i think questioning the system uh is is, is the future and so i yeah i think you know i try to live by the way i think and uh and hopefully the, the best thing you can do is try to show the way to people and get them to ask themselves the right question to not be, yeah, to change the system, to go against yeah. the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a simple question I, 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 I've been told to ask uh, my, myself when, when things happen is where's the evidence? So when you think of something as a, you know, whether it's a larger political socio-economic view like women can't, <laughs> guy yeah, yeah. or if it's yeah. uh you know more more introvert like yeah like you know you think something bad about yourself it's the question of where is the evidence and if you actually mm-hmm. look at where what is supporting that claim what's going against that claim i think you can actually step, take a step back and go oh no wait i'm wrong so yeah yeah, yeah yeah sure yeah that's a really good point so we have talked about your parents and i feel like we've come full circle because we're getting close to the wrap-up questions now so you mentioned a few times that your parents often pushed you into skiing and rock climbing, and uh, sometimes even if you didn't want to at that young age. What kind of impact has that had on who you are today? Them pushing me? Them, them encouraging you to keep, to keep going and, and to keep doing these activities. Um, I think my mom's outlook on me, like her pride about what I was doing, had a huge influence in me doing as much as I did, I think. Um, My father, in contrast, was not so happy I was becoming a guide. I studied law and I think he really wanted me to to stick with law and like a more beaten track. Um, Security. Yes, security. You know, also, he didn't become a guide, and I think maybe there was, like, it was hard for him that I did that, and he didn't. Um, my dad had always wanted to climb the north face of the Eiger, and he didn't climb it, so I feel like maybe, you know, the legacy was that I was going to do it. I don't know, so I, I, I've done it twice. Um, yeah, for sure, I think your parents have a huge influence, whether it's a positive one or a rebellious one. So you can, you know, they might be like, no, I don't want you to do that. And you're going to push in that direction, despite their, um, their judgments of you. Um, and so I, for, for me, it's like a really good learning tool, actually, of what parent I want to be. And uh, just to be there, just to be there and not really be um, an influence one way or the other. Just to be like, okay, this is what you choose to do. How can I best support you in the line of work you chose or the line of life that you chose and uh, you know for me it was you know it was it was quite challenging my parents opinions were very strong and Mm. also um, it was really challenging to push past one way or the other and but there was also really a lot of positivity into that so um, yeah, like I said, with my mom's passing, it's really interesting to think like, so what did I do for myself or what did I do to belong to the family? 
which goes back to this concept of needing to belong in life, whether it's to community or family, but family is just another community. So um, yeah, so the so it's it's been really interesting, and now with my mom being gone, my dad is a lot more accepting of what I do, and like more proud of what I do. It's less of an ego challenge. So yeah, so it, yeah, it, it, everything evolves all the time, and yeah. you just have to look at the positive in all situations and learn from that. Well, it seems to go back to adaptability again. You were you were able to take those lessons. That those I guess those discipline lessons as well from a kid and and now take them to, to where you are now and think okay I like these aspects I didn't like those aspects I'm gonna take them to my own parenting That's yeah cool. for sure yeah but I think it, it goes back to also like trips and expeditions or um you just build a toolbox of life whether it's tools for the mountains or tools for parenting and you just kind of look at these tools and learn to use them and see what actually works or what, and then there, maybe there's a new tool out there that's going to work better and, and, um, built from all these things that you learn on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, so to, to, it's always about making your life better and making being more true to yourself because at the end of the day, that's all there is, you know, and what I've also learned from my mom's passing is yeah. that she lived a healthy life. Like we were ski touring two weeks before, and she was like, well, I feel so fit. And then two weeks later, she just died. And the autopsy doesn't show anything. And so we don't even know why she passed away. But for me, the lesson that I learned from that is that life is here and now. And, it's, mm. uh, and um, <clears throat> it can end just like that. It's for real. You know, like, what, what are you going to do if your life was going to end tomorrow? You know, and, and um, yeah, you really have to kind of live that way, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, we've got an addition. Hey, how are you doing? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a mini climber on board. <laughs> are you a mini climber? Hmm? Mm -mm, no, me. Are you a big climber? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, she's a big climber. Big climber. Mm? <laughs> well, listen, do you want, do you want to help with, the, with this next question? We've got, we've got a wrap-up question here. So I'm thinking, what's, pe what's one piece of gear that you won't leave without... When you go climbing, what's one thing you must bring with you? My harness. Your harness. Your harness. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. My 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 husband actually uh, he's in the back and he just answered the question and it was uh, my audio book. Audio book. I listen to a lot of audio books, and so I always have an earbud in my ear and I listen to books. <laughs> For sure. I like the what else? What else? Shoes. Shoes, harness, Shoes. helmet. Well, what's one tool? <laughs> Being in the presence is the best tool, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This next one works well as, you, as your daughter's here. So um, uh, if you could go back to yourself as a kid and say one piece of advice, what would it be? I would say be more present. Or, no, just um, it's, it's a good advice for my little girl here. It's, it's to, to see to really enjoy every opportunity that's presented to you. Like live it fully without thinking you want something else or, yeah. Perfect, and then last question. What's one moment that you would love to relive? Oof, that's a hard one. Um, well, that's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> Take your time. Yeah, pro yeah probably, uh, probably giving birth to my daughter. 
I yeah. think that was like it's a, life changing. It's like a crazy moment. You're just like putting putting a person out into the world, and you're just getting to yeah. It's like somebody you're gonna live the rest of your life with, and you just that's like the greatest moment of adaptability for sure in yeah. life. You know, so yeah, you just created new life, but you also created a new life for yourself. Like your life will never be the same from here from there from there on. You know, like yeah. You will never be living for yourself ever again, like you did before you gave birth. So yeah. it's a it's the biggest paradigm shift, I think. Yeah, perfect. Well, listen, Caroline, thank you so much for your time today. It's, well, it's thank really, you really so been much. A it was really it was a really cool interview. I really appreciate it. I really hope you enjoyed that interview. I really did. It was such a great and positive conversation, and Caroline just has so much experience. It's insane. So. It was great to pick her brain and ask her a few questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, then please do subscribe, follow, and share it with a friend too. And if you want to join in with the community, it's at BTM Travel Pod on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Email me on btmtravelpod at gmail.com. But otherwise, I really, really hope you have a brilliant day, and I'll see you in the next episode.